Isaiah 43, Ecclesiastes 3, and 2 Corinthians 5 is my text today. I'll read those verses and then let you be seated. You've been standing a while today. I'll remain standing, but you go ahead and be seated. Amen. Isaiah 43 and 19. I should get a seat up here. You all get to sit. Why don't I get to sit? I could not sit for about three seconds. You know better than that. <clears throat> so I tell you what, break it up every once in a while and y'all get up every once in a while. Like if I say something, just say, yes, amen, or do a lap. Do we do that anymore? We don't hardly do that anymore. <clears throat> Deanne said she'll go first. <laughs> Why am I picking on BJ and Deanne today? I don't know. I love y'all. I love y'all. Amen. Isaiah 43 and verse 19, Bible says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will do a new thing. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become, say it with me, new. New. I want to preach to you today. All things new. All things new. You may be seated. All things new. <clears throat> There's a time and a purpose under heaven. I want to preach to you in my heart today that today is the time. Now is the time. We get busy at scheduling things and putting things off that we think that some other time would be a better time. The Bible is clear today that now is the time. Today is the day. There was a man that rushed into New York City Transit Station one morning and he's out of breath and he finally makes it up to the ticket agent in the window and out of breath he says, when does the 801 train leave? At 801 was the answer. Well, the man replied, it's 759 by my watch and it's 757 by the town clock and it's 804 by this station clock and which time do I go by? The clerk responded calmly, Sir, you're welcome to go by any clock you prefer, but we go by our clock here, and it is 8.04, and the 8.01 train has already left. See, we get busy at looking at the time everywhere else. It's time for this. It's not time for that. 
at this time we'll do this and we make plans and we set schedules and I, I love schedules. I, uh, they help me stay on task. They help me stay focused. They help this aging mind remember things that were just said to me. Uh, you know, uh, I, my wife was talking the other day and she said, you're not listening to me at all. And I thought that was a weird way to start a conversation. She can tell me something and five minutes later, I'm like, so what are we doing about this? And she's like, where were you five minutes ago when we talked about that? Uh, my mind doesn't remember things, so I'm thankful for schedules. I'm thankful for task managing and, and, and putting things on a calendar, certainly on many areas of our lives, in our businesses, in our personal lives, on the church level. There's calendars, there's meetings to have, there's planning meetings, and I get that there has to be a forward look to a, a, another time and a time that's coming. And, and I wouldn't take that away from any of us that there's a forward future moment of things that need to happen. But if we're not careful, we get very busy scheduling and thinking in the future and we forget what needs to happen right now, today, this moment. We are not promised another moment. Did you know that? We are not promised. And God says that now is always the right time. In Luke 19, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they didn't recognize the time of his visitation. It was upon them, but they were looking elsewhere. And so Jesus overlooks Jerusalem and he weeps over them. In Numbers 14, a group of Israelites tried to possess the land of Canaan the day after God had told them that the opportunity had passed. And guess what? They were defeated. See, there's a timing to everything. And, and sometimes the time is now, not tomorrow. Israelites, the time to go in isn't not tomorrow or next week or some other time. It's now. There's a moment that God has for us in Chronicles. 12, the son of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. What are you saying? There are times and seasons and certainly there is a forward look. There's a future involved and we look to that and we plan for that. But could it be that we put too much emphasis on what's coming and we forget that there's a moment and though we didn't plan for it, we didn't know it. It's not on the calendar but now is the moment that God has for every one of us. Now is the time. It might not be on your calendar today, but today is the day of salvation. You might not have scheduled it and set off a time slot for it, but today is the day that God wants to do something for you. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day. Of and certainly in our text, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, <coughs> excuse me, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. God not only wants to do something new, but God wants to do something now, I'm preaching today all things new. And the time for something new 
is now. See, the, the time that is upon us, would you, if you have one of those things on your wrist called a watch, would you look at the time right now? And yes, it's five minutes till, those of us watching the clock. We are structured by time. We know time. We are moved by time. We move within time. We set deadlines by time. We should be here by now. And when we're not, that internal clock begins to go off. And when the preacher preaches longer than we want him to, we start thinking about the clock. And could I ask you, yes, we looked at our watches, but I need you to not do that anymore today. And allow me to preach from my heart but it's human nature to be within time. We're in the construct of time. We're within space and time. It's here and now. We are not yet eternal. We have an, as, uh, a, a, an aspect of us that is eternal. And we will live in eternity. But right now, we're stuck in time. We are watching the clocks. We're watching the calendars. We're setting the dates. And we've got deadlines to meet. But if we're not careful, we miss out on the unscheduled moments of now. The now that wasn't scheduled. The moment that wasn't foreseen. The moment that is upon us that maybe isn't on our calendar. Maybe you didn't wake up and, and look at the calendar that was marked off today. And yes, this is the day that this is going to happen. Maybe you didn't think that. But can I tell you, this day, this day... On the calendar could be your day. You might not have known it. You might not have seen it or scheduled it. But today can be your day. Amen. Now is the time of salvation. And today is the day to let God do something new now. I am reminded of a story I read. One of the greatest spiritual disasters that history would write. In the year 1271, Niccolo and Matteo Polo. Yes, the father and uncle of the famous Marco. They were visiting the Kublai Khan, who at that time was the world ruler over the continent of China, including India and all the Far East. This was in the 13th century. And father and uh, uncle of Marco Polo are now visiting Kublai Khan. History would tell us that he was so convicted upon hearing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Kublai Khan would respond to Niccolo and Matteo and he said these words, Send me 100 skilled and learned men of your religion and I shall be baptized. And when I am baptized, all my barons will be baptized. The great men of my country shall also be baptized. And their subjects, they shall receive baptism as well. So many will be baptized here that there will be more Christians here than in your part of the world. 
These are the words of Kublai Khan in the, in the year 1271. Tragically, history would also write that it would take more than 30 years for them to send missionaries to that land when finally only two or three missionaries landed on the Asian continent. Time was not a luxury that they had. And when they finally showed up, could you imagine to think of the difference in the world had they sent the hundreds of missionaries in the year 1271? What would have happened in the eastern culture of the world had they sent them then? But they didn't take the time now. God wants to do a new thing. But can I remind you, church, he wants to do it now. Time is running out. The clock is ticking. Things are wrapping up in this world. Things are shaping up in this world. That's why things are happening the way they're happening. Because some things have to transpire in our world. And so there has to be a shaking. The Bible tells us that there will be a shaking. All that can shake is going to shake. And there'll be a shaking in the land. And God's going to allow the shaking to come. Why? Because some things have to happen. And there's a shaking. We found ourselves in it this year. What's he doing? He's getting us ready for a moment in time. And the time is now. This moment has come. Church, we got to wake up to the now in time. Not just the future. Not just to a time, a date on a calendar, but now. God wants to do a new thing, but God wants to do a now thing. All things new. He's looking for a willing vessel. Today is that day. Isaiah 43 and 19. Behold, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. He says, shall you know it? Shall you know it? Notice the word spring forth. When God moves, it often feels like there's a springing forward. There's a quick movement preceded by a non-movement. Preceded by much waiting. And I think that's where we've been, church. We've been in a season of waiting. We've been in a season of pause and reflection and maybe a place of security that we thought we knew what was going on and all of a sudden, God flipped the switch and things began to change. Things began to adjust. The earth began to move. And if, it's not, if we're not careful, it catches some of us off guard as if suddenly something's happening. Well, it's suddenly happening, but God waited for a season and he's doing it now. There's a moving in the earth. A new thing. But a new thing is often preceded by nothing. A new thing often is preceded by a time of quiet. I remember growing up in the church. It seemed like everything was easy. It seemed like you just showed up to church and everything was easy. Just seemed like you went through the motions. Economically, it was okay. There were different recessions. There were different times. But by and large, things were good. Then back in the early 2000s, there's the housing crash that begins to happen. It begins to happen in 2008, and our ground began to shake. Things began to fall and falter. 
And that lasted for three or four years. And then it began to come back. We're on this side of the housing crash. But things weren't the same. But it started shaking our world. Things started moving. But we get back into our rut and our routine and we start thinking things are okay. Things are happening. Things are doing this. This is happening over here. But we're okay. Listen, church, there comes a time where we've got to get okay with things not being okay. We pray too many prayers. God, come fix our situation when God is saying that's not the right prayer. Stop asking me to fix the situation for you to feel better when I need my will to be done and in order for my glory and my will to be done, you can't feel comfortable anymore. Now I'm fixing to preach an unpopular message, but I need the church to hear me and hear me well today. Things may not get better. They may get worse. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that everything's going to be peach pie and apple cobbler and sunny and no storms. But I'm here to tell you there's coming a season where God's going to allow some things to shake. God's going to allow some things to move in our lives. He is not punishing anybody. What He's doing is getting us to wake up. What He's doing is getting us to realize that now is the time to see a move of God. But sometimes he's got to shake us a little bit. And we're in a worldwide pandemic. And yes, I'll admit it's lasted longer than I thought it would. And here we are, what, 10 months into this? Wow. Who would have thought? And we've lost loved ones. We've lost friends. Friends of ours have lost many members in their church. I've got pastor friends that had to bury many people in their churches. We've been so fortunate here. Can I echo one more time? Caution is not fear. Hear me, church. Caution is not fear. This pastor is not operating out of fear, but this pastor is operating in caution. And we will walk in godly caution every chance we can. Why? Because you got a spirit of fear on you? No, because I want to operate in wisdom. I want to operate in a godly wisdom that cares for one another. Amen. And if that looks like fear to some, I'm sorry. I don't have fear in my life, but I've got a godly caution that says I love you enough to not do everything I want want to do I respect you enough to not do what I want to do guess what we're in a political climate I'm not getting to do everything I want to do everything hadn't worked out the way I wanted it to work out guess what there's still a godly wisdom that has to fall on us hallelujah because the time is now We've been waiting on certain things to happen to have a move of God. Well, guess what? You might not have got the person in office that you wanted. That's okay. God can still move. You might not have got what you wanted in a political climate or in a social climate. Guess what? God's still on the throne, and God can still do it. God can still give us revival. But I didn't get what I wanted. What we want isn't always number one. What I want, God doesn't always filter his decisions through you or through me. There's the shocker, right? Well, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God did it his way. Yeah, because he wants us to get us, 
to get us less married to what we want and just stand still and see a new thing. So here we are. We think a new thing only means one certain way. We've got in our minds what a new thing means in our life. Well, I got news for you. We're 11 days, 10 days into a new year. Guess what? We got a new thing. And it's sideways and it's upside down and it's weird and we've never been at this moment before and we can sit here and bemoan everything that we see wrong in the world but I'm here to tell you a new thing doesn't mean just what I want or just what you want we're at a new moment in God and God is doing a new thing in the earth but sometimes things don't work out the way we want it how you doing today everybody doing okay Amen. God wants to do a new thing. Guess what? He is. He is. Well, God, I'm uncomfortable with this. Well, we got to pray through then. Because God's going to do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. But he will do a work. And God is doing a work. Can I help some people that feel like everything that's gone wrong in the last 12 to 14 months has been against God's will? No, it hasn't. It might have broken some laws of the land. It might have broken some moral codes. It might have broken my personal preference on how that should have been handled. It might have not turned out any way the way I thought, the way I spoke, the way I prayed, the way I voted. Yeah, there's the elephant in the room, right? How about we set all that aside and stop marrying ourselves to what we want and the conditions that we require for God to do a new thing? Guess what? I hadn't gotten anything I wanted. I joked a year ago that the praise team doesn't sing any of the songs I want. Some of you are upset because we sing certain songs. Well, they don't do any of the songs I want either. It's a joke. They really do most of the time. But that's okay. I give them that latitude to follow the Holy Ghost and, and, and seek God for the I'm kidding about the music, but if we don't get what we want, we somehow feel like God didn't come through. Sometimes what we want would hijack the will of God. And we're so busy protecting us and ours and me and my and... Oh. Can we divorce ourselves from us enough to say, Oh God, would you get the glory and do a new thing? I don't like what's happening, but do a new thing. I don't care for what's all around me, but would you do a new thing? And guess what? He is. He is. There's things I don't like either. There's things I wish was different too. Sure, I'll give everybody that room. You got room to not like everything. I get it. And if it's morally wrong, if it's ethically wrong, if it's wrong in the character, I get all that. We can sit there and talk about it. But guess what? Not everybody's going to follow the rules. I wish they would. I wish they would. But not everybody's going to do it. And there's going to be dumb things in the world. Don't lose your faith. Just because the world has lost their ever-loving mind doesn't mean the church should lose their mind. Why are you losing your mind because the world is freaking out? Because the world has lost their mind. Why are you losing your mind? 
the church needs to settle in and say, God, you get the glory in the name of Jesus. So here we are at the beginning of a new year. I don't know what's coming around the corner, but I know that God is going to get the glory. God, if we will get on his page, God is going to do and is doing something new. It might not be what you thought it would be, though. Romans 9 and 28, for he will finish the work. And cut it short in righteousness because a short work, that's a fancy phrase for a quick work, will the Lord make upon the earth. God's going to do a short work. He's going to do a quick work in a short period of time. And he's doing it. I told you earlier at the opening of the service, I wondered how God would do what was prophesied in his word. I think we're beginning to see how God can do it. And it's going to take some things being upended, turned on its head, inside out, upside down. That's what it's going to take. And shall not God avenge his own elect, Luke 18, which cry day and night unto him. He hears your prayers when you cry unto him. Will God not avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That means now, nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth. Not faith in what we want, but faith to say, God, nothing's turning out how I wanted it or how I planned it, but I trust you. Faith says I trust you even when I'm not getting what I want. Am I helping anybody today? I hope, I hope you receive this word today. God wants to do a new thing. It might not look like what you thought it would, though. Sometimes God has to take us down to the wire, but the Bible says he will finish the work. Your breakthrough is about to break through. Your release is about to be released. But you got to live in the moment. He said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall ye know it? Is the question. Isn't that amazing? Shall you know it? The writer is almost suggesting that it's happening right in front of you and we don't recognize it. Can I help you? The will of God will be performed. Hear me today. I'm standing here and I didn't get every prayer answered that I wanted. I didn't get everything on my wish list. I didn't get everything that I thought God, well surely God would support this. Huh. So I'm going to pray this way because surely God would back up this prayer. And he didn't. How could you let us go through this in 2020, God? How could you let this happen to us? Anybody been there? Anybody had questions and thought, but I prayed and the church prayed. Surely I wasn't praying wrong. 
Sometimes it's not that we don't have noble reasons and noble intentions, but sometimes God has to let things break. God has to let things crumble and fall so that he can get the glory. I've come to declare God is doing a new thing. We're standing around and the smoke is still clearing in the air. The smoke is still in the air. And there's chaos and, and there's turmoil. And, and, but God, we turned the page, didn't we? Would somebody check and make sure somebody turned the page? Somebody go back and make sure. I, I read something funny online. Whoever God's calling to Nineveh, would you just go already? Somebody go check and make sure that somebody flipped the page on the calendar, right? Because surely that wasn't the will of God. Or was it? Surely 2021's got to be different. I'd love to tell you, nothing but a bed of roses. But I just wonder, church, but I got hope for you. God is doing a new thing. And when it's crumbling around, when your kids come to you and say, Dad, I don't understand what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening, son or daughter. I got news for you. God's doing a work. And he's going to get the glory out of it. No, I don't understand. Nobody does. And yeah, we prayed different and God answered different. And, and I don't understand. But can I tell you, God is doing a new thing. Listen to me, Calvary. God is doing a new thing. When everything is crumbling around us, he's going to do a new thing. So you might have thought we were crazy in 2020. To step out in the climate we were stepping out and purchase 12 acres on the highway. That might seem ludicrous, absurd, unintelligent, lacking wisdom. We could spend that money elsewhere and all of that is correct. But I felt God leading us. I feel like God is calling us to ignore what the world says we can and can't do and get our eyes back on God and say, God, if you tell us we can, we'll do it. So in a terrible climate, in a, in a, in a, a, a world of chaos, uh, crumbling everywhere and there's tension and there's fighting and there's bickering, there was a call to unity in the church. Ha, ha, ha. That was no accident that God opened the door in the midst of division and strife and, and, and a drawing away that God would open the door and say, I want you to come together. I want you to put your eyes on me, what I can do and what I can achieve. Doesn't mean the other stuff wasn't going on. It just means God is doing a new thing. And here we are, one year into a beginning of a, of a capital campaign and we already have 12 acres out on the highway. And God wants to do a miracle through us. But can I tell you, church, stop getting distracted. Stop getting your eyes on what the world's doing. Stop keeping your eyes. I'm not saying it's unimportant and that you can't see it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. But I'm saying when the world hijacks your passion and your vision and your belief and your faith, you're serving the wrong God.
disciples knew that there was chaos going on, but they kept their eyes on Jesus. I'm not here to tell you that everything's okay out there. Oh, it's all just made up. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's real. We're in it. We're going through it. And the church will go through it. But can I tell you, much like Israel went through the plagues, there was also a protection upon the children of God. Yes, they went through the seasons. Yes, they saw the plagues. But there was a hand of God on the people of Israel that, that protected them and kept them. And while the world was going through turmoil and falling apart, Egypt was degrading by the moment and God's people were preserved. Hear this preacher today, church. God is doing a new thing. It just might not be what we thought it was. It's time to know it. He said, will you Know it. I think we need to claim it. God, you're doing a new thing. In fact, it's time to make it so personal. God, you're going to do a new thing in my life. Because I've got some turmoil going on in my life. I've got some chaos going on in my life. I've got some things that are falling apart in my life. And the enemy would like to tell some of you... That because the chaos is real, because the turmoil is real, because the crumbling is real, because the shaking is real, that you can't have a new moment in God. I've come to come against that. Yes, it's happening. Yes, it's real. But you can have a new moment in God in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your pain. God's doing a new thing. Just sometimes he lets the new thing happen in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a crumbling. He said, I'm about to do a new thing and it's going to spring forth. Shall you know it? There needs to rise today a word of faith in your own heart, not from someone else, but in your own heart. I'm going to know it today. This is the time, not somebody else's clock, not somebody else's time, but I've got to go by this time. Today's the day. This marks a new year. This marks a new me. This marks a new moment in God. Yes, I'm in the midst of a storm, but God can do something new in my life. You got to claim that for yourself, church. It says, will you know it? Will you know it? In other words, it suggests it could be going on and you not realize it. Can I speak into your life? While that storm is blowing in your life, God's doing something new. God's doing something new. In the midst of crumbling and shaking and doubt and fear and tears in the middle of the night, God is doing something new. Come on, somebody say, I know it. Would you say that? Whether in your heart or out loud, would you begin to say that? I know it. God's doing something new. Oh, I know the storm is blowing. Oh, I know that things are happening, but I know it. I know that God is doing a new thing. So stop being distracted. Stop being distracted by a world that we're not even serving. Why would you give rule and reign to a dominion that you're not even 
supposed to be serving. You're out of touch, preacher. You're out of touch if you don't realize the things that are happening in the world. I didn't say they weren't happening. I didn't say they weren't real. I didn't say that it wasn't crumbling. I didn't say it wouldn't affect us. But why would we relegate the authority and dominion in our life over to a kingdom that we have been brought out of, released from, delivered from? Woo! We're no longer part of that kingdom. Yes, it's real. Yes, it exists. But we're not part of that kingdom. I choose to have a new thing in a new kingdom. In spite of the climate, in spite of the culture, I'm going to see a new thing. Come on, somebody say, I know it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to know it. I will see a new thing. Huh? There's two Greek words for the word new in the Bible. The word new can be translated in two different ways. The first Greek word is neos. Neos means new, but it points to recent, newly arrived, recently appearing, youthful, rejuvenated, new in the sense of the current time but not necessarily different from before. Let me give you an example. Neos would be this year's crop. It's a new crop, but it's the same thing we had last year. A new car. I'm thankful for new cars, but it's basically the same thing we had before. Yeah, there's bells and whistles. There's cool things on it. But... Henry Ford pretty much nailed it, right? A new outfit. You can buy a new suit. You can put a new tie on, but it's still a suit. It's still a tie. A new book. It's new in the sense of occurring in time, but it's not necessarily different. The second word for new in the Greek other than neos, is kainos. K-A-I-N-O-S. Kainos. It's a different meaning. It's better. It means superior. It means fresh and different. Not previously experienced or encountered. New, not in the sense of time only, but in the sense of quality. Huh. An example would be, yes, we've had cars, but now we've got SUVs versus just four wheels and a steering wheel. We've got automobiles versus buggy and wagon. We've got cell phones instead of Morris code. We've got wireless laptops instead of pen and paper. You follow? It's new in time, but it's also new in experience, new in quality. God doesn't just want to give you 
neos. A new experience of what you've always had. I'm preaching to you today that when God wants to give you something new, he wants it not only new in time, but new in quality. He wants you to get the upgrade. He wants you to download the newest iOS so that everything can function properly on your phone. He doesn't just want to give you a current experience today. He wants to give you a new quality in life. See, they questioned Jesus' ministry in Mark 1, 27. It says, and they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this thing? What new doctrine is this? Why? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. What was that? It wasn't just new in time. It was new in quality. Mark 16 speaks of Canos. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. That wasn't just new in the moment. It was something new that had never been experienced before. Canos. I'm so thankful for new. God wants to do something new in your life. Maybe you've been living for God and you thought you've experienced everything there is to experience. I got news for you. There's something still new in God. Revelations 3 and 12 says, He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write his name I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God. And I will write upon him my new name. As I read that scripture, I thought of that old hymn. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. Aren't you thankful that God did something new in your life? When you thought it was over, when you thought you'd experienced everything there was to experience in life, you came to an altar, you bowed your knee, you repented, you went down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus, and you rose in a newness of life. Amen. And he filled you with his spirit. God did something new in your life. Aren't you thankful for something new in your life? Amen. But he's not done doing new things. <clears throat> he says, behold, I make all things new. Revelations 21 and 5. And he said, write, for these words are true and faithful. I make all things new. God wants to do something new in your life. Stop waiting on the calendar to get better. Stop waiting on the climate to get better. Stop waiting on the world to get better. God wants to do something new Today, now's the time. Not, while, you know, not when you get it together, not when it's better, not when things are the way you hope they would be. God wants to do something new now. All things new. Revelations 21 would even put it this way. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea 
And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, God is not done doing new things. God's not nearly about done. He wants to do something new. And he's going to do it on that day, and he wants to do it this day. Hallelujah. God is doing something new. Will you not? Know it. Many other scriptures would point to God doing new things in our lives. Psalms was in love with the phrase, a new song. Do you know that God wants to give you a new song? A new song to sing? He wants to give you a new attitude in your life, a new joy in your life. He wants to give you a new lyric for your life. Amen. Like we sang earlier some of those songs those would be good lyrics this is how I fight my battle I will sing unto the Lord I will make a new song unto the Lord he put a new song in my heart things like that that's what God wants to do in our lives when does God want to do a new thing now now today Today's the day he wants to do something new. I'm preaching to you today that God loves to do new things in our lives. But if we're not careful, we put it off to another day. God can do it then. God might be able to do it then, not today. Can I tell you, today's the day he wants to do something new in your life. Wouldn't it be great to start off this year, the first service back in person in the house of God, to have a breakthrough and a fresh outpouring of His Spirit in our lives and walk out of here and say, God did something new in my life. God did something new in my spirit today. God did something new in my heart and in my mind. But can I tell you, you've got to let Him today. Will you not know it? I want to close with this as the musicians come. It's recorded that in 2012, there was a record-breaking lobster that was caught in a certain area in New England. It was record-breaking for that area because this lobster named Rocky weighed 27 pounds. A 27-pound lobster in the New England area. That was record-breaking for that area, but guess what? That's not the world record. Because the world record was actually set back in 1977 in Nova Scotia, and that lobster weighed 44 pounds. You say, what? does this have to do with lobster besides the fact that we're all about to go eat lunch? And if you can get lobster out of this deal, good for you. The reason I point out Rocky and his larger friend in Nova Scotia is because I also learned that lobsters do grow amazingly large, but guess what they have to do? Lobsters grow from the inside out. It's their shells that never grow. And so for a lobster to continue growing, it must choose 
to break its shell and become vulnerable and move out of its shell for a period and say, I can't grow anymore in that size shell. I want to grow, so I'm going to have to break the shell. And they remove themselves. They evict themselves. They change locations. They change addresses, if you will. And they come out of that old shell that was holding them back. And for a short period of time, they're vulnerable. They're soft. They're open more readily to disease or attack. But it's so worth it because they begin to form a new shell in the larger sense. And every year to 18 months, 16 months or so, they have to make that decision to break the shell and do it all over again. What are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying sometimes we have to choose to become vulnerable. We have to choose to break open the shell of what's always been. Because if, if Rocky or his friend chose not to break out into a new shell, guess who would have never been 27 pounds? Guess who would have never grown to be 44 pounds and break the record? See, what we get so comfortable living in can also become our coffin. What we get so used to being surrounded by can also become the very thing that is strangling the life out of you. But there comes a decision to grow. I got to grow. That means I got to break out of this. I've got to step out of what's always been. And you know what? What's been has been good up to that point. But did you know what's been good reaches a point where it can become toxic. And it can become restrictive. And it can kill you. If you don't unmarry yourself from what's always been. <laughs> I'm not telling you to go get a new doctrine or a new salvation, but I cannot tell you sometimes we got to let a new thing happen in our lives so that we can have a new life in Christ and we can have a new thing happen in our life. But we got to break out of what's always been. What's that mean? I don't know what's holding you back today. And maybe what it started out as a good thing has turned into a restriction in your life. What's holding you back today? What's holding your worship back? What's holding you back from stepping into a new year? I know we all have our list. Well, this isn't right and that's not right and this isn't. And it, How about we break it open and say, you know what? I'm not following those things anyway. I was never supposed to be looking to those things to produce something greater in me. I got news for you, church. This world is not going to produce a better you. You can't legislate it. You can't mandate it. You can't politicize it. You can't fix this world enough to become a better person or to be the person you're supposed to be. Stop looking to a worldly system. Stop looking to a culture that's never going to fix you. Let me help you, young people. I know we live in the age of technology. But everything that's out there isn't good for us. Everything that's at our disposal isn't good for us. 
One of the best things that I could suggest for all of us to do is break out of the addiction of social media. Break out of, come on, break the addiction of our need for, for self-affirmation and our need for others to approve us. I'm not one to say there's no benefit to connecting social networks. There's a small benefit. But did you know there's so many dangers and pitfalls? You've got to do, you've got to be an acrobat to come away smelling good with only the positives out of social media. And I'm not preaching against social media. If you have it, great. Would you please manage it though? Would you please not let it be addicting? Would you please not let it control you so much that you're more worried about the likes and the connections and the networks and what you appear and whether people liked what you had to say or whether that no-name online thinks I'm pretty or handsome depending on who you are? Listen, why don't we break out of the shell of what everybody else thinks and say, God, I need you to do a new thing in my life. Uh, not against social media, but I'm so against what it can do. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to break out. I'm ready to step into a new thing. I'm ready to call out the enemy in my life. I need some help right now. I need some, I need some people that know how to pray, and I need some people that will get behind this message that I did my best to give you today. And say, you know what, Pastor? We want a new thing. We want our church to have a new thing. We're not looking to the world. We're not looking to anything else. We're looking to God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And He will perform what He started. He started it. He's going to finish it. I'm not looking to anything else. And at the beginning of 2021, I'm going to stop looking to everything else. And I'm going to get to asking God, believe in God, trust in God that He's doing a new thing. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? So every one of us have a shell on right now. Every one of us have something that's holding us back. Every one of us have a thought process, a mindset, an idea, a reason, a list of reasons. I don't know what it is for you, but somebody needs to get busy breaking it and say, you know what? You held me back last year. This list held me back from being the worshiper that I could have been. 2021, I'm going to be a worshiper. 2020 held me back for this reason and that reason. And I was disconnected for this reason and that reason. And I was disappointed and hurt for this reason and that reason. It's time to break out of it. It's time to break out of it. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm not saying it's not even still there. But I'm here to say it's time to break out of it. Every one of us in this room have a shell. It's time to break out of it. If you're going to grow in 2021, it's time to break out of your shell. It's time to step out. Become a little bit vulnerable. Become a little bit uh, weakened in yourself and say, I'd rather grow than stay where I'm at and die in my shell. Church, it's time to get out of your shell. God wants to do a new thing. I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, you're hungry for a new thing. 
Would you do that all over this place? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you lift your hands in the presence of God? And would you begin to cry out to God and say, I want something new. I'm believing for something new. I'm going to break out of my shell. I'm going to step into 2021 and I'm going to believe him for what he has for me. Come on, church, would you do that today? Would you do that all over this place? These altars are open if you want to step forward and you want to believe God. If you want to stay where you're at, that's okay. But would you break through? 